Hello everyone, I am Matt Williamson here from my St. Vinny's dorm room. Um, quick little note, I, there's no practice during the day today. I'm not going to Friday Night Lights, I have to sneak home tonight, but I will be back to watch Saturday and Sunday's practices post Friday Night Lights and probably give you some sort of report in the meantime, but um, I won't be getting a podcast to you tomorrow. Um, I will be uh, checking, you know, finding out all that happened though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to miss anything really that happened at Friday Night Lights. I just can't go tonight. I need to get home. So no big deal. Um, Yesterday's practice was after two physical padded practices, the first two back, you know, after the acclimation process, this one was much, much lighter. They was not padded. They rested pretty much all the top dogs. I mean, not Pickett, but like Salamalu and Allen Robinson and, you know, obviously the the big hitters. Minka is still not here. So they really want to get a look at the the young guys, the bottom of the roster guys. And I know that sounds counterproductive to some of you, but one of the, uh, you know, more so than ever in the NFL, one of the uh, the head coach's main jobs is getting his stars and starters to the starting line, you know, getting there for week one. You don't, you don't want to lose guys before that and while keeping them physical and in shape, which doesn't seem to be a problem here. But you also, in these three preseason games, you need guys that can play. And you might find a Jalen Warren, you know. I mean, you're going to uncover somebody that is going to help this team, whether it's opening day or pulling them off the practice squad in week 10. It's a long, rough season. It's a war of attrition. So a lot of these, quote, throwaway guys are important. I mean, some of them are going to show up and have to play snaps. Um, the other injury note I wanted to mention was Liao. Lamarvin Liao did not practice, but it doesn't seem serious. Just kind of watching him, uh, he looks like he's fine. Like if they were playing Sunday, I think he would play. A couple big notes from practice. And I'll be honest, I, I'm doing my best to uncover these no-name guys that are shining. And there's a couple that are sort of catching my eye. But it's not like last year with Jalen Warren where it's like, ooh, who's that? I want that guy. But the two big events of yesterday's practice were seven shots, which they always do, you know, is a tight red zone O versus D, one versus one. And the defense clearly won. I think it was five to two. I don't have it in front of me, but it was – not particularly close. The defense played very well. And again, that's no Cam. That's no Watt. That's no Minka. But, you know, there's no Allen Robinson. There's no Deontay. You know, so, you know, it's a one and a half versus one and a half situation. But the one thing I noticed about the offense was there were plays to be made. And again, the defense outplayed them. But they just looked a little off. You know, a pass would be six inches too far off the fingertips or a little low or someone would run not crisp enough route or it was always it was they were just a little off from being quite good you know take that for whatever you want I mean it's August 4th that was August 3rd so you're nothing's gonna be perfect nothing's gonna be perfect in week three either or week 13 but the 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 highlight really of the practice was this was their first two-minute drill and they'll do that periodically through camp maybe once a week every five days something like that where they put ones versus ones. They say you have X amount of time on the clock, minute and a half, whatever it is. One timeout, and you need a touchdown. You know, field goal's not going to do it. 
So you're live and you're spiking the ball and you're running and you're trying to get out of bounds and you're using that timeout. So all those things. And if you turn the ball over, it's the drill's done. If you score a touchdown, drill's done. If you run out of time, drill's done. So two rookies really shined there. I mean, had moments, really rememberable moments. And in the two-minute drill, Pickett was moving the team well and threw an out route to White, who keeps showing up. That guy's just a quality player that does a lot for you. He's not special, but you know he helps. But anyway, he throws an out route to, to White, and Porter Jr. makes a spectacular play to pick the ball off. Lays out those long arms, those huge hands, kind of you know horizontal to the field, snags the ball, stays in bounds, interception, drill over, defense wins. Phenomenal. I mean, really phenomenal. And earlier in the practice, he made a great play down the sideline against Pickens. You know, those two have been battling like crazy. Uh, just throwing over him on deep balls is tough. I mean, he, he's like throwing over an oak tree. But really good practice for him. He's starting to come into his own. You know, you can see that the team and defense is rallying around him. And another note, I think there was only – one other, at least that I've seen, picket interception this whole time, and that was on a tip ball. So it wasn't a bad. I think this was more of a great defensive play than a bad pick from Kenny. So encouraging stuff from Porter, um, encouraging stuff in the next series with the two from another uh, uh, rookie in, in Darnell Washington. So Trubisky, which is a bit of an advantage. Side note, you know, I think you might want to bet the Steelers in preseason football this year because, you know, watching the Hall of Fame game last night, the Steelers can trot out Trubisky and then Rudolph for the whole game and a pretty high quality number two offensive line. So anyway, you know, Trubisky, though, working with twos and threes versus defense versus twos and threes didn't mow him down. You know, I mean, it, it was competitive. But as they started moving the football, he went twice to Washington. Washington made a real nice catch kind of contorting, get down the field, in the middle of the field. And then he made a highlight reel catch to win it for him, to score. He's about 25-ish yards out, running right down the seam, like a big weapon that runs well at the combine. He, you know, Mitch hits him in stride, shrugs off a guy, gets right to about the one-yard line, falls in because they're not tackling totally. So, I guess there could be a slight dispute. Would he have gotten in? The answer is yes. He's 270 pounds with a head of steam making contact on the one-yard line with a 200-pound defensive back at most. He would have definitely got in. Tomlin agreed, put the hands up, win for the offense. And it's to see more of that from Washington. I mean, not that he hasn't done it. It's just there's only so many opportunities in practice. There's only so many passes to go around. And that's going to be an issue with this offense overall. There's a lot of mouse to feed. But him running down the scene is intriguing. Isn't really intriguing. Um, quick break here, and then I want to talk about another Steeler tight end. All right, I am back. And touchdownwire.com does a good job. I, I've actually written for them a little bit way back when. 
Um, Doug Farrar and company are very good football people, and they've been putting out their lists, uh, you know, best position lists, all that. Well, tight ends came out this morning, and I was a little shocked and, and pleased that Pat Fryermuth was sixth on their list. TJ Hawkinson was seven. And Dallas Goddard was five. I mean, that's a neighborhood you want to be in. They're similar. All those guys are similar players. Uh, they're not just receivers, just blockers. They're all really good um, athletes, but not elite, elite. You know, so I thought this was a, a good way of looking at, you know, Fryermuth. And I just wanted to kind of read some of the things they said about him because they dug up some good numbers. So the NFL is more of a passing league than it ever has been. And you have to adjust for eras when you do things like this. But still, it's quite something that after just two seasons with the Steelers, since the team selected him with the 55, 55th pick in the 2021 draft, Fryermuth already ranks fourth among Steeler tight ends in targets. This is all time. Fifth in receptions, sixth in receiving yards, and sixth in receiving touchdowns. Not bad for a guy on a franchise that's been around since 1933. And that's after two years. And I know tight end probably isn't the strongest position in Steeler history. It isn't. But I found that kind of eye-opening. But this is even better. This is more relative to today. Last season, the Steelers passing game could generously be referred to as restrictive. I think we'd all agree on that. But Fryermuth caught 63 targets, 63 passes on 96 targets for nine, or 732 yards and two touchdowns. He was a big play machine when big plays were allowed to happen. And in this case, we'll drill down his stats against zone coverage. That's what I was interested in. Just versus zone, he had 45 catches on 58 targets for 504 yards. Like all of the NFL's top tight ends, and this is 100% true, you have to be a zone beater at that position and the great ones that fade away really slow, like like Heath Miller. I mean, Gates, Witten, guys that can't even run anymore, know how to beat zones. And Fryermuth already does. So like all NFL's top tight ends, Fryermuth has an instinctive understanding of how to open up zones as he showed on this 47-yard catch against the Falcons in which 48 yards came after the catch. He's no picnic to bring down when he has the ball. And then they have a video here of that play against the Falcons. They also have a, a video that, unfortunately, I can't show you at the moment, but uh, a skinny post against the Dolphins in week seven. And if you need a tight end to, that can unravel a linebacker or safety up the seam, kind of like we just talked about with Washington, Firemuth has no issue doing that, as he showed on that play I just referenced. He also showed a knack for winning contested catches and taking the ball even when he's about to encounter contact. I agree with that assessment wholeheartedly on Fryermuth, and I think he looks better than ever. I thought he was their best player on offense last year, and his game translates to long-term success, especially that zone-beating stuff. So I thought that was good. thought you'd like that. Um, not sure when you'll hear from me. It won't be tomorrow probably get you something Sunday morning or something after a uh, Saturday practice. I was not sure on that, but enjoy. Have a great weekend. See you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.